Good evening, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hey, I just wanted to first tell you um, thanks for tuning in across all of our platforms, uh, either on Facebook. You might be joining us on YouTube. You could be joining us on our website or through our app. Um, do me a favor right now. If you could, um, it really helps us out a ton. Uh, we have ministry leaders on all of our platforms. If you could, if you could just give a shout out, if you could give a thumbs up, if you give like praying hands emoji or something like that so that we can see you. Um, but also it would be awesome if you would say where you are tuning in from and give us your name. So you're not just some screen name uh, that we don't know who you are. We, we really want to know who you are here tonight, where you're tuning in from, and your first name. At any point tonight, as we walk through uh, what we have planned, uh, my prayer is, is that you would A, be engaged um, and encounter uh, the, the presence of God, and also that if there's anything that you need, that you know that we're here personally to be able to engage with you. So if there's something you'd like prayer for, if there's something that uh, you would like to discuss, something that you want to maybe take offline, something that you're dealing with or going through, uh, we're here for you and we want you to know that. A couple things that I wanted to share with you tonight. Um, it's going to be a special night. And in light of, of course, where we're at in terms of us being physically distant from one another, I want to remind you that we are socially near. Uh, that, that what maybe we've been asked to do in our physical proximity, nothing can separate us from us being able to come from our living room to yours. And so one of the really cool things tonight is that you're going to see uh, as we walk through the night, uh, you're going to see uh, worship and you're going to see a team leading us in worship. And it was awesome to see them actually uh, come from their living room into your living room. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this a ton. Tonight, we're going to be remembering and ultimately we're going to be reaffirming the hope that we've been given because of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago. And although tonight there's, there's a somber element to the night and there's a, there, there's a piece that I want us to remember and reflect on and the, the depth and the sorrow involved with this night. But also uh, by the end of the night, I want us to be able to lift our heads, have our spirits lifted, have our hope lifted as we turn and we move in the direction of what's coming on Sunday. Because we all, we all know the end of the story. Unlike the disciples and Jesus' mother and loved ones that were there when he died on the cross, who didn't know the outcome, they had to live through all of uh, the, the circumstances to see the eventual outcome. We, we, we have the book, we've read the story, and we know the joy involved and in what it is that we're celebrating here tonight. Even though it was hard and it was difficult, there is celebration involved in it. And so tonight we're going to remember, and there's going to be a somber point, but there's going to be a point of hope-filled uh, celebration. Also, I want to prepare you that, uh, that tonight, although we're going to be going through and we're going to be worshiping together, we're going to be praying together, uh, preemptively, here's a couple things that you might want to get ready. Number one, we're going to be starting out in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, and I would ask that you get out uh, your Bible, or you can open up a smart device, you can go to a Bible app, and you can open up to Isaiah 53, whatever version you'd like. I'm going to be utilizing the NIV version, if you want to go word for word pretty much for what I'm going to be reading. Uh, the second thing is, is we're going to be taking communion together at, at some point tonight. And so I would just say, if you're not prepared for that, maybe uh, you, you just tuned in, somebody maybe sent you a link, somebody shared this with you, or, or uh, you, 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 you forgot, uh, I want to just forewarn you, at some point we're going to be taking communion. So here's the really cool thing. I think what, what we were told in the Bible when, when Jesus spoke, in fact, it, at the Last Supper that he had with his disciples, and he said that he was going to share this meal with them, it was with bread and it was with wine, but tonight you could use whatever it is that you want to use. Um, I have sitting here, I have some bread and I have some grape juice um, that I'll be using as we take communion uh, together tonight, uh, but I want to prepare you for that. God knew over 2,000 years ago when he sent his son Jesus that we were facing a crisis. 
He knew that we were facing a crisis of, dis- of disconnection from him because of our sin, because of what had happened in the garden with Adam and with Eve. He knew that what it set into motion for all of humanity was a separation between uh, who he created being humanity and him. We were created to walk with him hand in hand. We were created for a relationship with him and there's been a disconnection. And that, that is a critical moment and there's a crisis. And maybe at the same time, uh, what's fascinating to me is that God knew all along that he was going to remedy and that he had a way to restore what was broken and what was damaged. He had a way of resurrecting what was dead. And in the book of Isaiah, I think what's really cool is is that close to 700 plus years before the birth of Jesus, this book, Isaiah, was written. And it was a prophetic book, meaning it was speaking of something into the future. And it was a prophetic book that spoke of this story of Jesus being born and the elements that he would have to endure and what he would have to walk through, 100% man, but 100% God. And what I love about this depiction of who Jesus is in Isaiah is it makes it very clear to you and I as readers of this ancient uh, manuscript that Jesus was a personal Jesus, that God was a personal God, that everything that we're about to read in Isaiah 53 as we walk through the night points to Jesus knowing the pain and the affliction or the isolation or maybe the things that you and I would feel emotionally, but all of the things that we feel as humans, Jesus, he felt those things. In, in Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This very first question that Isaiah asks in the very first part of chapter 53 of the book that he wrote, The question is to introduce you and I to the person, the personal savior that we would call Jesus as a man who would walk and who would feel pain. He would feel disconnection. He would feel isolation. In verse two, it says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot This points to the vulnerability that Jesus would feel. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Jesus, making himself personal to you and I, understood the feelings of being undesirable. In verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected, by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. That the fact of the matter was that Jesus was not just going to feel pain, but Isaiah is saying that Jesus being a personal savior to you and I, he made himself familiar with pain. And that tells me that he felt pain probably since the time he was a small child when he was learning to walk and like any one of us would feel and through life and feeling heartbroken over situations, but ultimately the pain that he would feel when he went to the cross. It says, like one, of, one from whom people would hide their face, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. He understood what it felt like to be looked down upon, to have people around him that thought that they were better than him that they came from a a better place in life. Their zip code upgraded them. The amount of money in their bank account made them more important. But he understood what it would feel like in that moment to feel isolated and alone and rejected, that the whole world would turn their face from him. And I think what's so great 
about us understanding this about a personal Jesus is that he understood our rejection and our isolation that we were experiencing and we would experience because of our sin, disconnection. It's quiet in this house upon the hill. You don't mind it. Some things you can't know till you're still in the silence. Let your spinning thoughts slow down in the stillness. Things have a way. Working out, allow me to introduce myself again. And I'm the one who knew you before time began. And I've been waiting for you to let me be your friend.
In Isaiah 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was now on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray. This is, this is the moment in this passage that it's, it's the great equalizer that there's not one of us, not me, not you, not someone sitting in the biggest house or the person that does the most good deeds that all of us, it says, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That Jesus was pierced for my wrongdoings, for your wrongdoings, and he was willing to accept our punishment and have it laid on him for our peace.
Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. In verse 10, it says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Jesus would suffer and be crushed to become the Christ that you need and that I need in the midst of our crisis. Crisis. A time when a difficult decision must be, made. must be made. Also defined as the turning point in a disease when an important change takes place indicating either recovery or death. or death. Seeing their close friend take his last breath had to have put the disciples in a state of crisis. How can a man so righteous die the death of a common criminal? This crisis Made, made no, no sense. sense. The rock was sealed over the tomb to remove any possibility or room of the body getting stolen. They were in a crisis. In a crisis. It made no sense. The feeling of isolation and loneliness wouldn't relent. The repeated questions and introspection of what was the intent? What was the point? You see, the disciples were in a state of crisis, watching their close friend breathe his last breath. They didn't understand the point, but this was the turning point when an important change was getting ready to be made. The shackles were being unchained. Humanity was being set free from being slaves to sin. And the sting of death was being lifted. Did you miss Did it? Did you miss the it? The restoration, the new, the new vision. vision, the reconciliation of a father, father hell bent on a mission to rescue his creation back onto himself. To resurrect, to resurrect and and reconvene and establish a new heaven and new earth. You see, they almost missed almost. it. Missed it. Disciples were in a crisis. A difficult time when an important decision had to be made. The turning point of a disease when an important change takes place. You see, the disease was sin. The disease was sin. And the consequence had to be paid. And the ransom was fulfilled. The ransom was fulfilled. See, the disciples were in a crisis, but yet they were not able to see what was on the other side of that mountain. So maybe a crisis isn't as awful as it's cracked up to be. In Isaiah 53, verse 11, it says, After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus took our crisis to the cross. It says in Mark chapter 15, verse 33, it says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemes sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling to Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. In the book of John, chapter 19, verse 30, John's account of the story says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, this same picture that we just saw depicted, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus on the cross, taking our crisis, taking our disease, taking our disgrace, taking our isolation, taking our fear, taking our uncertainty, taking our depressions, taking everything that we would feel. Every time we felt like we were despicable or despised, he took all of those things and he put the mark of his word on it. And he said, it is finished. And in Mark 15, 38, after he cries his, his last cry and he breathes his last breath, it says that Jesus, in the midst of this, it says that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. That the depiction of what was happening was is that the veil was torn from top to bottom in the temple and the veil represented the separation that stood between God and man. That before there would have to be a priest who was ordained and anointed to go and take the, the, the pains and the sins and the disconnection of humanity before God. That you and I we couldn't go before God in person. It wasn't personal. That Jesus at that time became the permanent intermediary between us and the Father. That the veil had been torn. That this veil, the size of the veil, the thickness of the veil, a couple feet thick, that the material it was made out of, that it would be impossible that it would be torn by anything of human hands and the centurion knew at that moment that this man that they had just murdered, this, this man that had just hung and had died could only be one person, the son of God. You and I now have the opportunity to approach God as a father and approach Jesus as his son in a personal manner. The most personal way that Jesus describes this is he says that in the midst of your darkness, I've come as your greatest hope. And I've given you something to remember me by. And he gave us instruction that in order to remember him that we are to break bread, it said that Jesus broke bread with his disciples. I think it's fascinating that it doesn't say that Jesus in the midst of everything that was going on, to paint the picture, the disciples had been walking with Jesus, but he had been telling them this story along the way. And as he narrated this story, what had been going on was they were confused. They didn't fully understand. They potentially felt like there was a separation coming. And Jesus said, I am sitting with you today. And as I break bread, he didn't nicely cut the bread. And I think it was, a, it was a depiction of his body that would be broken. It wasn't clean. It was, I can imagine Jesus grabbing this loaf of bread and, and breaking the bread. And I, I have some bread here and, and, it, and it's been broken and it's, it's rough and there's nothing pretty about it. And there's nothing beautiful about the way that Jesus' body had to be crushed for our sins. There was nothing beautiful about the way that he had to die. 
But there's something beautiful about the fact that we can take this broken bread and we can have it as a substitute and as an example for you and I to reflect and to remember what it is that he did over 2,000 years ago on the cross when we look at this, this broken bread. And now we have the opportunity to join Jesus. That he gave us this in communion and opportunity to join him. And so we have the broken bread. And he said that we also have the wine, or in this case, my grape juice, whatever you have sitting in front of you that represents the blood that was spilled. We have the bread that was broken that represents his body, and we have the blood that was spilled that represents what, what was covering us, that his blood was the covering over all of our transgressions. It was the covering that gave the Father the ability to look upon us personally again. The veil no longer needed to be there because Jesus was our covering. And so you have in front of you the representation of the blood of Jesus. And so tonight what I'm going to do is we have the bread that's been broken and we have the blood that represents Jesus' life that covers us. And I'm going to give you an opportunity personally where you're sitting. If you're sitting with your family or, or friends, if you're sitting by yourself, that this is a personal moment for you to be able to take. And, and we're just going to take some time together to share in communion that we can turn the corner, that we can celebrate and we can say that because of what you did, Jesus, we get to join with you and remember and we get to feel for a moment, we get to feel the sense of joy as we remember what it was that you did. So take time here tonight during this next song and commune with one another, but more importantly, commune with a living God, a loving Savior.
Would you join me in prayer as we pray tonight? Lord, I just, God, I thank you for what it is that, that uh, you did over 2,000 years ago. And I thank you that we can turn our hearts and our hope toward the fact that we know that the tomb is empty. Thank you for the simplicity of what we call this gospel, for the simplicity of the fact that you would make yourself so personal to us, God. Lord, we just worship you right now. Lord, I pray that you would invade the hearts and the homes of every single person as we spend a few more minutes reflecting and worshiping, but ultimately turning our hearts toward what we know is coming. That you're worthy of everything that we can give you because we know what we're going to be celebrating in a couple days. So Father, thank you for joining us here tonight. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. In Jesus' powerful, powerful name. Amen. Let us spend some time worshiping together. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I want to know you, Lord. I want to know you, Lord, like I know a friend. I want to know you. Don't miss you. 
family and all the friends and family members that are joining. We have so much to look forward to uh, that tonight, yes, there was something that was very somber and something that was very difficult and a sacrifice that was made, but we know that we can turn our hearts and our minds and our heads toward what's coming on Sunday. Jesus said it all. It is finished. For some of you that have joined us here tonight, here's a couple practical things just as we wrap up here this evening. Number one, if you're new, which means you've never joined us before, you've never tuned into a live feed, or maybe uh, I would call you new if you've tuned into a live feed, but you've never had a, a personal introduction to our team. Um, if you look in whatever platform you're on pinned, then the comments, we're going to have a number the number is 94090. If you text, if you're new, if you text the word new 111 to that number, to 94090, we have a team that is ready to reach out to you and just want to make personal contact with you. We're physically distant, we know, but we're always socially near. And we want to be sure that you're followed up with and that you know that you're loved and there's a place that you belong. Now, there's another set of people that maybe you're tuned in and, and listening, and maybe you realize here tonight that I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to turn my heart back toward God, that maybe you've followed him before and you've maybe turned back to some old things and you've relied on yourself. And I want to be sure that we connect with you as well. You can text that same number, 94090. And if you simply just text the word Jesus and the numbers 111, Jesus 111 to that number 94090, we too want to reach out to you and we just want to make personal contact with you. We take serious this journey of following Jesus and we want to do everything we can to come alongside you. We're thankful that you tuned in. We're thankful that you watched. But we would be even more thankful and our hearts would be full and rejoicing if we got the opportunity and the honor and the privilege of stepping in alongside of you and walking this journey out of living life together, one-on-one, -on -one, face to face, shoulder to shoulder, and also walking out your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we don't want you to walk away tonight. We don't want you to hit end and click the button and tune out of this feed of what we're doing here tonight without you knowing 
that we're here to love you, that Jesus is here and loves you more than anything, and that you belong in community. And so as we wrap up tonight, I want to invite you to come uh, join us at one of our services on Easter. We have an 8 a.m., a 9.30 and 11.15 service. You can tune in live on any one of our platforms, our website, our app, YouTube, or Facebook. We would love for you to jump in and join us as we get together again, physically distant, but we're going to be socially near. We're going to be coming from our living room to yours, and we're going to have a great time. And we're going to celebrate what it is that Jesus started tonight. He started something that he was able to finish. And when he said it is finished on the cross, he didn't mean that the enemy had won. He didn't mean that the crisis was going to win. He didn't mean that the depression was going to stick around. He didn't mean that the sickness and the disease was a victor in this, in this life, in this journey. What he's what he was really saying was that it's finished, that all of the things that the enemy could bring against us, and ultimately the biggest thing the enemy could bring is a separation between us and our creator. And Jesus was saying, he was speaking directly to the enemy and he was saying, it is finished. He was saying, Satan, you are done, that your plans and your ways and all the things that you wanted to bring against my creation have been voided that I've overcome those things. And tonight we can move through the next 48 hours knowing Jesus, you have overcome. And so I invite you to come with us on this journey as we celebrate in 2020 in a very new way. It's the first time I think in history that I can think of that churches physically will not be full on a global scale. But I wanna tell you something. As we celebrate on Sunday, there's something that I want you to remember and I want you to hold on to. The churches may be empty, but so is the tomb. That there's no reason that we can't get together, that we can't have a party, that we can't dance, that we can't sing, and we can't celebrate on Sunday the fact that Jesus has overcome, that he said it is finished. Family, we love you. Of course, we desperately look forward to the day that we get to see you again face to face and shoulder to shoulder. Until that time, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to text if you're one of those folks that are new or that are stepping in or recommitting their life to Jesus. We love you guys. We want you to know there's a place that you belong. We'll see you Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 or 11.15. Have a good night.